Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So the longer I fool around saying no, the worse I am in my life. Because the best thing in the world is to get where God wants me, right in the center of his will. You see, he's not interested in yes later. He's not interested in tell me more, God, and then I'll tell you whether I want to do it or not. And he's definitely not interested in a no. Yes, Lord, is the only good answer for us. You ever find yourself frustrated by how your life's going? You work and sweat and struggle, but it feels like you're trying to swim through molasses? Well, it could be because you're fighting against what God wants you to be doing. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the importance of obeying God. He'll be sharing that the obeying's not just about things like salvation, but in asking God what you should be doing in everything. The act of obedience includes asking God about all of the decisions in your life, large and small, and trusting Him to guide you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 8 as he begins his message, Under His Influence, Yes, Lord. turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Now for those of you that are parents or grandparents, I want to see how your memory is. What were your child's first words that came out of their mouth? How many of you can remember as moms or dads what those first words? I couldn't remember a thing my wife had to tell me last night. But hopefully for many of the kids, just because mama is a little harder, dada seemed to be a little easier. How many of your kids said dada first? How many mama? Mama. Okay, good. That's because you were working with them behind the scenes the whole time. (laughs) Well, it wasn't long before our lovely children said another word that nobody quizzed them on. It was a word you really didn't want to hear, but it was loud and clear. What what was that word? You got it exactly right. Today, if you're a Christ follower, you have a heavenly father. His name is God. And there's a lot of words that God loves. There's one He doesn't like. God doesn't like his children to say no. 
But there is a word or phrase that he loves. That's our whole teaching this morning. You see, when we live under his influence, our response as spirit-filled believers will be, yes, Lord. Let's say it together. Here we go. Yes, Lord. That's the words he wants to hear in all of our lives. That should be a norm for all of us. Now, why should that be something that I want to say? This is why. Since God is all-knowing, we also know that the Bible teaches us that God has a great plan for every single individual. He loves his children. And then that should make sense to me that responding to our Heavenly Father with a yes is always a good thing for me. You see, once I live under his influence, that's been our whole series, to have an effect upon, to shape and regulate. Once I come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and remember when we talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And he comes into us at salvation. And then we learn in the book of Acts, he comes upon us for empowering. So once that Holy Spirit, alive God, comes to live in us, well, we come under his influence and it begins to change our life from A to Z. We learn that we have the power to live. We have the power to serve. And we won't be cowards anymore. We have the ability to share the good news because the Holy Spirit lives in us. In fact, we learn... That the Celtic people called the Holy Spirit the wild goose, you remember? Because you never know how the Holy Spirit is going to lead in our lives. We're going to have a great time today as we begin Acts chapter 8 and watching people say, yes, Lord. Let's begin Acts 8 verse 1. Now let me give you a little premise to this. Stephen... The first martyr has just been stoned to death. The apostle Paul or Saul was watching and we see this in verse one. And Saul was there giving approval to his death, Stephen's. Notice what happens. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And as a result, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the nation of Israel, to Judea and Samaria. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 is a perfect picture of what God wanted in Acts 1 verse 8. When the Holy Spirit came, Jesus had already given a commandment. In Acts 1 8, he said this, To his disciples. Now when the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, comes on you, you will then be my witnesses. In other words, you're going to represent Jesus Christ. And you're going to start here in this town Jerusalem, where they were in Israel. And then you're going to go to all the different parts of Israel, Judea and Samaria. And then eventually, notice, to all the world. Well, Jesus had instructed them to begin in Jerusalem and then to move on and preach the gospel. 
But what happened was, in Jerusalem, the people got very comfortable. They weren't interested in obeying God. Church was going good. 5,000 people had come to the Lord, this early church. There was excitement. The spirit was moving. And they kind of forgot that commandment. And so the whole church is centered in Jerusalem. The rest of Israel hasn't heard a thing. And that's because they got comfortable. Could it be that here in Melbourne and Sebastian and Vera that we're comfortable? Could it be that God has asked you to step out into a new ministry? That God has been asking you to step out in faith in a certain area? That God has really been dealing with you, but you've been not saying yes, Lord. You've been saying no, Lord. I'm really comfortable where I'm at. Let me remind you of something today. God is never interested in our comfort. God is interested in our obedience. Some 23 years ago, 24 years ago, God began to speak to Linda and I about coming to Melbourne. To be very honest, we were at Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island. We were very comfortable. We had started that church. Pastor Malcolm came. I was working at Wustoff. I loved directing the pharmacy and flying around the world and doing stuff. It was amazing because every day there was a new drug and it was exciting. I was teaching at the church when the pastor was gone. I was always the teacher and that kind of stuff. We loved it. We were raised in our family. We had great friends. We were very comfortable. And then God says, uh, I'd like you to take what you've learned here and take it south. We didn't know anything about Melbourne. West Melbourne, we thought, was like a hick town. <laughs> By the way, it used to be kind of like a hickey town. And we went, okay, God, if that's what you want, then we'll start planning. Well, it took about five years, but eventually we came down. You see, and the reason you're here this morning is not me, but the reason you're sitting here this morning is God had a plan for Melbourne, and we were part of it. And so way back then, we had to say, yes, Lord. Now, I wish I could say to you today that I've always said, yes, Lord, but that's not true. But I want to remind you of something. If you're here, and God's been speaking to you, and you said no, that's not a wise answer. The second thing to write down is this. Yes, Lord, is the only wise answer in your life. Why? Because his plan for me is good. It's way better than any plan I can ever come up with. So the longer I fool around saying no, the worse I am in my life. Because the best thing in the world is to get where God wants me. Right in the center of his will. You see, he's not interested in yes later. He's not interested in tell me more, God, and then I'll tell you whether I want to do it or not. And he's definitely not interested in a no. Yes, Lord, is the only good answer for us. What did God do to get the people to say yes, Lord? Persecution. The church was being persecuted by the Jewish people. And so all of a sudden, this scatters the people out, and they go to Judea, and they go to Samaria. You see, God knows what it takes 
to fulfill his plans in our life. And he'll do whatever. Maybe even already you become comfortable. You know, as we watch college football, we have some of our stadiums now 100,000 people. And they're all going, throw the ball again. What's wrong with that guy? They're just sitting there. They're very comfortable. While on the playing field, these 22 people are running up and down and doing whatever. It's very similar to many of our churches today. I'm up here running, doing whatever, and catching ball, running, blocking, and doing whatever. And you guys are going, hey, I like that. Boo, terrible. There wasn't any good. You need to be up here. We need to be out there. Say yes, Lord. So be ready, because you're going to be challenged. It's not just some of you. Let me give you a clue. You all made the team. (laughs) Look down at verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. In spite of persecution, they weren't afraid. You see, Satan, Satan said persecution will stop the church. Do you know what? That failed. Persecution spread the good news because people were unafraid. Now we're introduced to a young man. His name is Philip. Verse 5. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Christ there. Philip is an average Joe or Jane. He's an ordinary person like you or me. We know back in Acts, and I'll give you the reading in a moment, early in Jerusalem where Philip was raised, the church was going, then a little problem between the widows of two different sects not getting fed. And so the apostles came and they went, we've got to solve this. We don't have time to do it. We're studying and teaching. So let's pick out seven men who can do this. And Acts chapter 6 says, pick out seven men that are known to be full of the Spirit. And full of wisdom. And we'll turn this responsibility over to them. Philip was one of those. He was just like you sitting here in Melbourne. Man or woman, doesn't matter. He's just like you. But he was one of those filled with the Spirit. See, just by that definition, we know that there were people in the congregation at that church in Jerusalem that were not filled with the Spirit. Otherwise, they'd have just said, pick seven guys out of there. So here is something important. Philip is under the influence of the Spirit. He's just an ordinary guy. He's actually serving tables. And all of a sudden, God takes Philip to Samaria. Philip has to say to the Lord at some point, yes, Lord. And we don't know how he gets there, but he gets there. This is going to begin the next thing for you to write. Yes, Lord, begins our wild goose chase. Philip will look back upon this move like nothing he's ever known before. Well, look at verse 5 again. Philip went down to the city in Samaria. What did he do there? He proclaimed the Christ there. 
You see, Jesus has to be the focus of our sharing. Now, what Jesus are we talking about? The very Son of God. Be careful in our world. We have all kinds of churches and sects. We have the Muslims, all kinds of people that will tell you that Jesus is, well, he's this, and he's Lucifer's brother, and he was born, he wasn't God, and he's a nice prophet, but he's not equal to Muhammad. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is God. He's the Son of God. He's always been like the Holy Spirit. He always will be. So he goes down and he begins to preach it. See, notice Philip isn't going to get down and talk about Calvary Chapel. By the way, there was no Calvary Chapel. It's never about Calvary Chapel. It's not the Baptist, the Presbyterian, the Catholic Church. It's about Jesus. Just say it with me. Jesus. There's no name under heaven. By where a man may be saved than Jesus. So he gets down and he begins preaching about Jesus. An amazing thing. Now, where does he go? Samaria. Samaria was an interesting area, an interesting group of people. They were a mixed breed of people. Way back in the Old Testament, the Jews were carried off into captivity. And the part that were left, there was a few Jews left. And the Gentiles came in that were pagans. And they intermingled with them. And the Jews in those days would call them half-breeds. They didn't like them. They would go around Samaria on their travels. They didn't want to travel through there. So there was deep-seated prejudice amounting to almost hatred between Jew and Gentile. Well, what is Philip? Philip's a Jew. He puts all the prejudice aside, and he goes there. Now, why does he preach to the Samaritans? Because God wants everyone to come to salvation. And so he begins preaching. Look at verse 6. When the crowds heard, circle the word, heard. See, Philip just can't walk the street with a little sign, come to Jesus. He's going to have to open his mouth. If you and I are going to spread the word of Jesus Christ to our world, we have to open our mouths and talk about Jesus. You can't be afraid of that name. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And look what happened. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. I love verse 8. For there was great joy in that city. You see, in verse 6, Philip does what he can do. He can share the gospel. The rest of the verses, that's what God does. We do what we can do. God does the supernatural. And all of a sudden, as a result of these changed lives, there was joy. Notice verse 8. There was joy in that city. Let me ask you today. See, joy is very different than happiness. Happiness, a lot of you, when you got up this morning and you you looked at the newspaper from the scores yesterday, is a bad day for you. Tomorrow, many of you will get up and see the same thing. Your pro team, bad day for you. Some of you will get a pink slip this week. Some of you don't know how to take care of your home this week. What am I going to do with this? The bill's here. See, that's happiness. It goes like this. It just goes like this. 
But joy is not based in a circumstance. Joy is based in a person. See, in the end, we're out of here. We're going to go to heaven. Do you think there was joy before Philip came to that city? No. As a result of Jesus, joy came to the city. Now let's bring it to Brevard County. Would you say, by and large, that Brevard County, from Indian County on Sebastian, all the way up to north of the county, would you say there's joy in our city? No, there is not. Why? Because we haven't spread the name Jesus far enough. See, there's only one thing that brings joy. That's forgiveness of sin. So the next thing you want to write is simply this. How does that come? That comes from people saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, equals a lifestyle of joy. Oh, it doesn't mean that there aren't bumps. It doesn't mean that they're not trouble. I mean, how did they get to Samaria? Persecution. (laughs) But we can still have joy knowing that God's going to use that in our lives. See, Romans 14, 17 says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Samaria, like Jerusalem, was filled with dead religion. They had their own rules and regulations. They had their own place to worship, Mount Gerizim. They had all kind of rules and regulations, but they were dead in religion. But Jesus came to bring a relationship with people. That freedom always brings joy. Now, I don't know whether Philip did this, but I think we have to be to this mindset. Notice this next statement. Yes, Lord, expect lives to be changed. There's power when the gospel is presented. There's power when the word of God is taught. You see, the word of God never returns void. As you're sitting here today, there's going to be changes. There'll be changes in all of us if we'll listen to God. So we should expect changed lives. And that's exactly what happened in this particular city of Samaria. Well, the next few verses I'm going to just summarize because we don't have time to go through them today. But the next few verses tell us that all of a sudden... Huge numbers of people in Samaria came to Christ. They repented. They accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They were baptized in water. And then Jerusalem heard about it and sent Philip, excuse me, sent Peter and John to lay hands on these people. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have this massive, amazing revival. Philip's in the middle of this. He's a waiter of tables, but he's under the influence, and the wild ride has begun. In Pastor Mark's message today, he taught about the words yes and no. You learned that like all parents, God wants to hear his kids say yes much more than no, but he wants them to do stuff. You learned how the early church had to learn this lesson when they got comfortable staying in Jerusalem, rather than obeying Jesus' command to go out into the world. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests 
at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his message under his influence. Yes, Lord. You'll be told more about Philip, the deacon who said yes when God asked things of him. You'll hear about the amazing adventures he went on while under the influence of the wild goose. You'll find out about the lives that were impacted and how whole societies were changed. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Under His Influence. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is given